0: In any life, we have highs and lows, light and dark, wins and losses. What happens when we encounter that moment in time when what happens next could change everything? Join us as we step into another person's inspirational moment and see how we can connect their experience to ours. This is Greg Stevens, and you're listening to A Shot of Inspiration. Welcome to another episode of A Shot of Inspiration. Today's guest is a really good friend of mine, someone who's been through the thick and thin of it with me. I've been a friend since 1992. I met him in Austin about five years after I moved here. We became fast friends, did a lot of things socially, eventually ended up being roommates. And But I've always been impressed with my guest because he is one of the smartest people I know in the realm of engineering. And he has been a bridge engineer for years with the state of Texas, and he'll tell you a little about that. But his passion for bridges and developing and building bridges actually was contagious for me. I really, when I would see a bridge, I really didn't never thought about it. And then when I met my friend, Dean Van Landit, he worked for the Texas Department of Transportation in the bridge engineering division. He did a lot of Signature Bridges in Texas, so you're going to get to hear and see a lot of those. I'm going to actually have some of those pictures up here, but I want to I introduce you to my guest. This is Dean Van Landet. Dean, how are you doing today?
1: I'm fine, Greg. How are you?
0: Good, good. Well, thanks for coming on. I It's one of the things I love about having my podcast now. I get to showcase uh, my really smart friends, uh, people who are much smarter than me but also just a really good human being. And I'm glad you came on. I know this is a little different for you, but I wanted to bring you on and talk about kind of your career, because Dean retired a couple of years ago, and he's done a lot of different things for the state of Texas. And I'd like to introduce yourself, tell people kind of where you came from, how you came up through your school, you went to UT, uh, kind of walk us through how you became the bridge engineer here in Austin.
1: Well, thanks, Greg. Uh i'd like to say i uh, never really entered engineering i uh, i never got out of it you know i started as a two-year-old and just uh, never quit while everybody else gave up their blocks and their forts and what have you so i always had a natural inclination for it i was always the first one in for projects and the and the last ones out so uh uh but the the light really went on for me when uh, Originally from Chicago, lived out in Massachusetts for a little while, and moved to Dallas in high school. And I was sitting in a physics class, and we watched a film on the building of the Alaskan uh, pipeline from the North Slope across the the mountains, and then and then down into southern Alaska. And I was absolutely fascinated by the difficulties and the challenges and it was the first time i'd ever heard of any such thing as a structural engineer i've heard of architecture before but i i really didn't know what my major was going to be and i'd always done pretty well in math and what have you but i remember coming home that day and it was pretty much sealed it was like mom dad i'm going to be a structural engineer so it just everything had had come together at at that time so oh. i gave you
0: how old were you at that time? I was uh,
1: started my start of my senior year, so I was about to turn eighteen.
0: Okay. So, and did yeah. you know you were going to go to UT at that time, or had you already already uh, been looking at other places?
1: So we had moved to Texas the year before, and I'd been on a uh, been on a, a spring break the previous six months had been on a spring break trip with my older brother, and we'd come to Austin. And we had rolled, rolled in about 11 o'clock on a spring morning, and the sun was shining, and the birds were singing, and uh, class was getting out, and, uh, and the West Mall was alive, and it took about two minutes to just fall in love with the campus. And I just kind of knew I was going to UT. And That's great. And then to come find out that they had one of the leading structural engineering schools in the world uh, just worked out for the best.
0: That's great. And that's another thing. You're such a a huge UT football fanatic. I love that. I think you never missed a a game in college or something. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for uh, years, years afterward, I I did I did miss one game and that that was the tech game my senior year. I had to take an all day principles and excuse me, EIT examination, uh, eight hour examination uh, for engineer and training. Exam. So I missed that. And then I missed one game in the 80s for a wedding. But uh, yeah. And that and uh, but those days of those not missing games are long gone. But yeah. So yeah, I, I uh, was able to graduate in four years. And then uh, it, times were really tough trying to get a job. It was not unlike a couple of years ago with, when the hiring was really tough. And even though I had good grades and it was really difficult. So I asked one of my professors, it was the last week of school, my senior year, and I only had one job offer. It wasn't very enticing and um, it was for a Ford work manufacturing company, but I wanted to be a designer. And he said, well, why don't you, why don't you, If uh, you talked to Bob Reed at the bridge division. I'm like, what's the bridge division? And he's like, it's the department of transportation. Go, why don't you go talk to him? So. I made a phone call over there and he said, what are you doing at four o'clock? And I was like, nothing. Got over there at four and had a job offer by 4.30 and asked if I could sleep at it, sleep on it. He asked, he looked at me like, what's the, what's the matter with you, son? <laughs> this is what you want to do and called him up the next morning. And, uh, and then 32 years later, uh, you know, walked out the door.
0: That's amazing. Well, now, you did several signature bridges in Texas. Share with the audience what bridges they may have crossed over that were yours, kind of the big names. I know the last one you did before you retired was the 7th Street Bridge, which is, was a PBS that did a documentary on that?
1: Right. That's the, uh, that's the arch bridge where they wanted something uh, a little bit more aesthetically pleasing, a signature structure going between the museum district and downtown Fort Worth. Also did the uh, upper deck of uh, 183 elevated about 25 years ago, a large bridge down on the coast in Matagorda, as well as uh, US 281 over uh, Marble Falls.
0: Oh, okay. So you did I didn't are, realize you did the one in Marble Falls. Okay.
1: Yep. So okay. those are the those are pretty much the big signature structures that I've done. And those take a lot of time for from planning and meeting with the locals to design and then all the way through construction and solving construction problems. Yeah.
0: And we're going to actually include on the site a, a link you can go to, folks, to see the PBS documentary that Dean did on the bridge at Fort Worth. It was interesting because I just started dating my wife, my now wife, Emily, and we sat down and I thought, oh, there, this uh, there's a... Uh, documentary on the bridge my friend developed and that's the last thing she wanted to see we just started dating <laughs> but woman. she humored me and after it was over she said i really enjoyed that i wasn't i wasn't expecting to and it really is it's a engineering marvel how long did it take you to do it it typically would take a, a suspension bridge like that uh, a couple of years and y'all did it in how many months
1: well, we built the majority of it off-site, so it was restricted traffic for, gosh, uh, like four months, and then and then closed down entirely for another four months or so. I, I may be off on that a little bit, but yeah, that was that was uh, one of the real challenges: get in, get out. So we did a lot of the casting off-site. So so we had a lot of constraints: don't spend any money, make it look great, and then uh, you know don't. Don't linger around here. So it was a it was a real challenge, a lot of fun. And the, and the, and those are the great projects.
0: Oh yeah. Well, it is a beautiful bridge, and uh, I remember the first time you sent me someone something someone had been skateboarding over it right, right <laughs> yeah. after right after I, it got built. I thought that was really amazing It well, was going up and fun. down, and that went viral for a while there. I think.
1: you should say that i got a i've got a, a call from los angeles just a couple of weeks ago they used this bridge in fort worth for inspiration of the new sixth street viaduct in la and i now i've never seen the movie greece if you can believe that even though it came out when i was in high school but apparently that bridge is used in greece and a lot of other iconic films shot in la but that has now been replaced and they have the same type of concrete arches and it has been also climbed on by, by uh, vandals and what have you and uh, a number of other incidences. And it has just been co- a complete mess. In fact, they've already uh, allocated three quarters of a million dollars for remediation measures on a bridge that opened just last month. And now they're, uh, they're having a lot of trouble. It's been such an attractive for people to come and be all over the bridge. So uh, uh, it's one of the unfortunate things about uh, building an attractive structure that has uh, accessibility issues.
0: Well, I see behind you. There's a column. If you could kind of move to the side and point that out, that was a 183 column, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah,
1: right. Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a European magazine that featured an article that I had written some years ago for the bridge in here in Austin on the 183 elevated, and that was before we had put the superstructure on.
0: So you didn't really start out with this passion for bridges; it was just structural engineering. Structures in
1: general, yeah, yeah. It Got just it. And, and it just fell in that right here in Austin. Uh, there was an opening to design bridges, and uh, it was it just worked out. And bridges are are advantageous in the sense that there's no architect, and so unlike building projects where the structural engineer is not really in charge. In the bridge world, the structural engineer controls the project. And so it gives us a lot more responsibility, but then a lot more freedom as well. So uh, and then it's also a lot more difficult on the aesthetic side. We don't have the luxury of what a building designer does because we don't have veneers, right? We're just out there naked. So it's like a Mr. Universe contest. If you haven't been lifting weights for five years and watching your diet, you're in trouble because you're just walking out there in a bikini, man. You, you know, it's just you and your speedo. So, uh, you know, you better, you better have it together. And that's the way it is in the structural world. If you haven't thought about everything and the way uh, the bridge is going to behave after it uh, rains, it rains over us a, a number of years and stains the structure and the way it looks from every angle. Uh, you're going to be in trouble. So. Uh, so it's quite quite the challenge but uh yeah so i've I've enjoyed the bridges and then it's just a lot more structurally difficult in general not always but uh when you start doing these large bridges down on the coast Lake Marble Falls, what have you? These big spans yeah. that are longer than a football field, yeah. then it becomes then it becomes a real challenge, and yeah. then you're dealing with hurricane forces down on the coast and what have you, and then you're supporting eighteen wheelers rather than you know just people and bookshelves and, and what have you. So, um, not not that building engineers don't have their own challenges too, but. Uh, well, that, the, the aesthetic issues are, are really, really quite difficult in, in bridge design. If you want to do anything more than just your standard beam bridge.
0: Right. Well, I also admired when we first became roommates, you took, was it about six months and you worked actually on site on the 183 bridge. Most engineers don't go out and do that, but I love that you went out there. You wanted to see what it really took. Do you think that helped you in preparing for that, the bridge in Fort Worth? That's what I've always wondered. Your experience being there, boots on the ground, being out in that, hot, uh, in that hot Texas sun, booting up and really doing the gritty work with the guys right on the ground where most engineers would never do that. Do you think that helped you see things to design the bridge in Fort Worth? Most
1: definitely, being out there and on, on the job, understanding the problems that the contractors have—that's a—that's a thing the public doesn't understand, and even design engineers don't understand—is—is is the challenges that the contractor goes through.
0: Give me a couple and, of things that no one would ever know that is so important about that. Give me an uh,
1: example. I I think that one of the most difficult things is the fact that most of our work is going on under traffic. So it it, it never stops. So it's the equivalent of remodeling your house uh, beginning or your kitchen, let's say, beginning in October and ending in February. And, oh, by the way, you're going to host Thanksgiving dinner. The kids are coming home for Christmas and you're throwing in a New Year's party. OK. You know the traffic doesn't stop, so there's a lot of those issues of dealing with traffic, and so you're moving constantly moving the traffic from one side of the project to another, and now you've got to deal with drainage issues. You've got to do grade the roadways in one way, you know, for this condition, and then uh, another way for that condition. And put some some inlet structures in, or what have you. And you've got to move the cranes from one side of one side of the project over to the other side of the project. Do you buy a second crane, or rent a second crane, which are expensive, or do you just wait and then uh, you know move it over, you know, some weeks later and slow the project down? So these are all the difficult things that the contractor has got to got to decide. In, in addition, I had worked on a concrete crew while I was in college and then doing my graduate work at ut i worked in the lab so i knew how to build forms and cast concrete and then one of the great advantages of having worked at txdot is that we've got um, maintenance forces and we've got construction engineers that that we office with so we're getting feedback in the field the whole time so that was the beauty of working as a designer at txdot whereas you just work in Private industry, which I do now on a part-time basis. I do work for a consulting firm here in town designing the Waller Creek pedestrian bridges. Okay. Uh, what, one of the advantages is we get the constant feedback loop. So that that keeps us out of trouble. And then doing the maintenance, we also know what details don't work. Yeah. And so it's really a great benefit yeah. to the taxpayer of, of Texas to have. a a design department, a bridge division with a a well-developed design section that has that constant feedback and constant communication because the designs get refined and we get more durable structures every year.
0: Well, that was what was interesting to me when we were when you were working full time. I always asked you why you didn't go into the private side, because you probably make more money. And you were interested in the new technology. You said with University of Texas being right here, you had access to things that people didn't also they let you play with some things aesthetically sometimes when private, they just want it to go up quick. And uh, looking bottom line dollar, it was something that you could actually look at helping the aesthetics. You actually did talks, I think, on aesthetic bridges for different uh, cities and things. Uh, I remember you went to Europe a couple of times and spoke about that, didn't you?
1: Well, I got an opportunity uh, early in my career to develop a more aesthetically pleasing bridge rail. People were getting a little bit tired of just this uh, slab looking bridge rails and they wanted to know if we could do something a little better and I had reinvigorated some of the old Art Deco style railings of the past and strengthened them and made them safer with today's more rigorous testing standards and that was caught fire and used all over the the country and I really enjoyed doing it. One of the problems with our very sophisticated and advanced design techniques and structural systems that we have developed primarily in the 60s, 70s, 80s is, is that it had been so well optimized that there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for creativity. So once I got a chance to do a bridge rail, I really enjoyed uh, exercising those muscles. And then I took it a step further into working with bridges on the whole. And so that gave me an opportunity in the bridge division in Dot to improve if you will the appearance of some of our bridges and so there was a, that opportunity there and there was indeed for it too people were getting a little bit tired of some of the stale repetitive bridge designs but then there's the challenge too because it costs a little bit of money uh to improve things very much so
0: well, I also can see we waste a lot of money on a lot of other things that aren't pretty. <laughs> and I think making an area that we have to drive every day a little more aesthetically pleasing is kind of nice rather than seeing something, the same old thing over and over. So out of all your bridges, what was your, It fa- was Fort Worth your favorite one or what would what, what yeah. you say is your favorite one?
1: Yeah, yeah. Fort Worth, because it was... So daring, and it was one of a kind, and it was uh, no one had ever attempted anything like that. And uh, we came in at a good price. Uh, we got in, we got we got out, and there was uh, a lot of public support, and and the public really appreciated it too. So there was a lot of goodwill, and so it was really a a great caps, capstone to it
0: well. You so, also have a career yeah. at TechStop you helped a lot of businesses by doing it so quickly having that because that's such a key for businesses that's one of the big benefits of that rather you know 4 to 5 months rather than a couple of years having that shut down the economy for that area really thrived because of it what i thought was interesting was uh dean didn't just work on bridges he actually kind of designed his own home and his home was actually Poured concrete. So, I'd like you to talk about you had a contractor on it, and then you finally kind of took over the contracting yourself because you are a bit of a perfectionist, which I do love and really pay attention to detail. But tell people about your house. I want to show some pictures here with your house and how you've developed it over the years, but also from the very beginning, how it was a poured concrete structure that you had this. I know they've done it out there, but most people would never take the risk on what you did. So share with people a little about your home. I, I really think it's a a great inspiration to me as well. And folks, he even has a bridge in his home. So You <laughs> uh, walk up the stairs on one side and a curved stairwell, and then you walk across a bridge to where the uh, where the bedrooms are. So it's a really amazing view house. And he bought it when. Land was cheap in Austin, and he has a beautiful view of downtown Austin, but he's built it up over the years. So, Dean, share a little about your house. Talk with us about the structure of it, kind of the details of it, and then we'll show some pictures here if people want to look at those.
1: Well, thanks, Greg. You got most of the story right. I did hire an architect. Yeah. I found a lot in 1996 while well, I was looking for a condo, but the, the, the laws in Austin were such that condos weren't being built in downtown, believe it or not. And so I resorted to buying a lot here down in Travis Heights. And then that's why I came to live with Greg. I needed to save some money. So he was kindly rented out a room to me, but I hired an architect and he he worked in concrete houses and it was a, a great relationship he was very right-brained and very talented except he didn't care much for details so i had to redraw everything and we actually worked up work real well together one of the things that he he kept doing is he kept messing up this beautiful layout with the stairs inside the house so i asked him why he was putting the stairs inside the house and he was like oh yeah yeah let's put a stair tower out here and so we got that we got that but but then i yeah he was the contractor too but then he didn't really enjoy contracting too much so we just shook hands and i finished building the house and it turned out okay and then i I had a little bit more confidence, so I wound up designing and building a garage apartment that's actually five different levels. It's split level three on one side, two on another. And so I've got that. And then there was a big gully on the property and so built a 15-foot tall retaining wall on that and then filled the gully. And now I've got a pool and I don't know how many terraces on the property 15. So it's just a continual project. And I finally got landscaping in a front yard in this spring. So it's only taken 25 years, but it's been a labor of love and and a lot of fun. So I've enjoyed learning landscape design too. So it's been a transfer of skills.
0: Well, and that's just it on the on the landscape. <laughs> you picked the hottest summer and the oh. least rain. <laughs> yeah,
1: Finally, after 25
0: years, you got it perfect. And then yeah, right yeah. when you plant it, there's no water and it's the yeah. hottest summer on record. Yeah. So. yeah,
1: yeah, timing couldn't have been worse, but we're getting there.
0: Yeah. But I, folks, if you get a chance, hopefully you've been seeing these pictures of a home. He just put the pool in about a year or two ago, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, three years ago now. Three years ago. Yeah. With COVID, everything's
0: yeah. actually extended a little longer. But yeah, it's beautiful. I think you've got it really dialed in. But you can tell it has been a labor of love. You put a even your countertops. Tell a little about your countertops. I think they're so unique and different. Yeah, well, not
1: not that different much anymore. But yeah, they're cast-in-place countertops throughout the house. And I actually made my own form work for some cast-in-place concrete balconies. I uh Took some details for some bridges that I had designed and recreated them and made the balconies that way. And so took some opportunities to personalize the house. That's awesome.
0: Well, where do you get your ideas from? I mean, do do they come just inspire you or do you see certain people you look to to inspire you around aesthetics, whether it's a bridge or your home? What are the things that kind of inspire you to have these ideas or do they just come to you?
1: They just come to me. They're just from God. I don't know. They're just, that's awesome. But I work better with constraints. I, I admire musicians. I admire painters who can just stare at a blank canvas. I work, I work best when I've got restrictions and, and then, then I can get to work.
0: Okay. That's good to know. That's great to know. Well, is there anything you would like to, tell the audience before we end this interview, I want to say before I ask you that, Dean has been such a great friend. I'm sure I'm going to have him on here again to talk about other things we've done in life, some of the fun we've had. But he's truly been an inspiration to me because of the beauty that he's created for the roads around us, but also his passion for bridges. Like I said, I never had a desire to look at bridges. And now when I go to a city that's what I look at. I look at the bridge structure. I look at the different architecture, the different engineering that had to go into them. So, Dean, is there anything inspiring to you that you would like to share with our audience before we finish up today?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd say inspiring, but something that is, I don't know, an unusual observation about their per- profession is that there's a real morality in it. That's because we've got a couple of real harsh, unforgiving judges. We've got gravity and we've got what we do in the business, which is low bid contracting. Okay. So you can't weasel your way around gravity. It's it, it gets the last word. Okay. If you haven't run the numbers, if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to win in the end. And then when you go to low bid contracting, you have to know that The least expensive bid is going to win and go build your job, and so it's nice in that regard for the taxpayer is they're getting the least cost bridge out there. There's a lot of truth in the profession, so uh, BS BS really walks in the profession and the cream rises to the top, and so that's the nice thing is the. Evidence out there of who's good in the business and who's not good, and that uh, you know there's there's no faking in the business.
0: That's very good. That's not you, so. what we typically get in most of uh, industries we look at today. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: it's a nice, clean profession for the most part.
0: Good. Well, yeah. yeah. cool. well, Dean, thank you so much for being our guest this week, and folks, thank you for joining again. And look for us next time for another episode of a shot of inspiration. Thanks so much, Dean. Bye-bye. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Shot of Inspiration. If you like this or any of our other episodes, make sure you rate it and share it with a friend. This is Greg Stevens, and we look forward to being with you next time. Until then, be bold, be courageous, and respectfully speak your truth.